This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm Ryan Stiles and with me as always is Grant Tuttle. And Grant, how are you doing today? I am doing well. It is a lovely spring day outside. You know, I, I'm looking out the window and I can see uh, green grass. And so, yeah, things are good. Yeah, I'm glad someone's doing good. I mean, Damian Lillard literally just took my heart last night. Uh, if anyone's an <laughs> NBA fan listening to this, saw that shot. That he hit on the Thunder, so I'm in a pretty dark and depressed state right now, but it's always fun to talk about the Chiefs. And so, Grant, the biggest move of the of the week since the last time we talked on a podcast was the fact that the Chiefs traded for Frank Clark, an edge rusher from the Seattle uh, Seahawks, almost called them the Supersonics. Uh, <laughs> the Chiefs traded a 2019 first-round pick, a 2020 second-round pick, and they swapped third-rounders this year. The Chiefs also... Signed him to a one hundred and five million dollar deal, sixty three of which is guaranteed. What was your initial impression whenever you saw that this was official and that the Chiefs actually did it, and then you got the contract numbers and all that? Well, I I I kind of expected it at a certain point. There was so much there was so much smoke around it that you couldn't like just outright deny that it was going to happen. Uh, so I got to the point where I was just accepting that they were going to trade for either Patrick Peterson or Frank Clark. It was just a matter of time when. Um, and so I, my initial thoughts were, oh, great, we're just getting some guy that's there to replace D. Ford. But if we're talking about uh, his actual upside and talent, he is a very talented football player. Uh, and, and I don't know. The Therese, did you see the Therese Paler tweet where he was saying that uh, a few extra nuggets were that the Chiefs viewed Frank Clark as the second best edge player in the NFL behind only Khalil Mack, uh, and so like that's huge praise from from Brett Veach, uh, and it and it shows me now that they want to push uh, all their chips to the table to the middle of the table and go all in for a Super Bowl run uh, for this year and maybe next. Yeah, and that's interesting coming from Therese because he's a guy, of course, who's really plugged in with the Chiefs. Now he's, of course, a national, but everyone knows that you know he's a guy that has super, super tight ties to the Chiefs. So to hear it from him, you know it's legitimate. And I do think that this is a, a all-in move for the Chiefs, and it's a good thing uh, on the field because the Chiefs have the second-best quarterback in the NFL on a rookie contract. He has a he, he's simply the second best quarterback. I know it's early. I know it's one year of being a proven starter, but that arm talent isn't something that's going to go away. It's not something that's going to be taken away the same way RG3's legs and explosiveness were taken away. 
So they're making the right decision on the field because, yeah, you have to go for this before you need to pay your quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually they're going to have to pay Chris Jones, who's another elite pass rusher and defensive lineman. So, you know, is it an upgrade from D Ford? I think so. I mean, obviously fans have a, a certain connection with guys who their team drafted and they've seen their entire career, their entire career. And, you know, in the NFL, everyone plays on the same day almost, you know, every week. And, you know, if you don't have the, the Sunday ticket plan, you can't really watch uh, other teams unless they're on primetime. And the Seahawks didn't get very many primetime games during Frank, Frank Clark's window, you know, because he's so young and he was a little bit after or just at the beginning, uh, you know, just at the beginning of the end of their, you know, great run that they had. So they might not know a lot about him on the field. And I think that he is an upgrade from D4. I don't know what you think. I think he's a better stopper of the run. I think he's a better pass rusher. Obviously, Brett, Brett excuse me, Brett Veach agrees with that. I don't know if you do. What do you think about his upgrade from D Ford? Well, I think certainly um, he's a better overall player than D Ford. Um, D Ford was not a run stopper and everybody knew that. And and I think it's telling that, that these pass rushers that we've seen on the move have demanded much more than just a second round pick. Uh, And I think that's telling in the gap that people believed uh, in the NFL that people believed was between these other pass rushers and D Ford. Um, I I'm not one to say D Ford was a bad guy, a bad bad player. I just I, I think that Frank Clark um, has all the tools to be what the Chiefs actually believe he is going to be, and, and I think they're banking on upside, which is what they've done with with Anthony Hitchens. Uh, they're hoping that he's just going to continue to trend upward. I hope so. But my initial reaction is that, yeah, he's a top he's a top pass rusher in the NFL. He's a top edge player in the NFL. It's just how high can that go? How high is his ceiling? Because he's still 25 years old. He'll be 26 by the time the season starts. But that is that is a young player that you are getting. And I'm I mean, there's there's so much to unpack there. Um, but I'm just going to give you a couple more points that I that Therese Paler put onto that that. Um, uh, tweet that he had because um, one thing that I found interesting was the initial reaction was well why is Seattle trading this guy um, if they if they think that he's so good um, Paler says uh, his first bullet point is there was not an internal consensus in Seattle about trading Clark some wanted to keep him um, so I feel like that that right there shows that they need they felt the need that they had to move on because financially it just wasn't going to happen. And then um, the second one is that one about KC viewing Clark as the NFL's second best edge player. Um, And the third point is uh, the trade does not impact Kansas City's ability to sign Jones, Hill, and or Fuller. Um, So I I think that's really telling that that Feech thought that he could go out and get this guy and still uh, have the ability to sign these other players. Um, there's just a lot, there's a lot to unpack about Frank Clark, but my initial reaction is yes, he is better than what you could have gotten at pick 29, uh, in this year's draft. And I mean, obviously the move just happened. So neither one of us have gotten a chance to kind of go back and watch not just last year, but previous years from Frank, from Frank, Frank Clark. Uh, but you know, D Ford's consistency issues were a problem to me, at least in terms of giving him big money 
And if Frank Clark is obviously better than D Ford, uh, just talent wise, and if he's more consistent than D Ford, obviously on the field, this is a, a great move. And, you know, we kind of covered it on the field. There's all, there's also something that's kind of looming, uh, in terms of off the field, obviously when something, uh, you know, comes up with a player, his past gets brought up with him, no matter if it's tweets or, uh, in this case, criminal records. But, uh, one more thing on the field before we shift into that, you know, you mentioned how young he is, and I, I forgot to mention this before I started to transition. That's a good point because of the fact that no matter what you think about this coaching staff of the Chiefs, uh, a lot of people are high on it, this new coaching staff, uh, but every single coach can teach somebody something. No matter if you're Bob Sutton or Spagnolia or, or, or Bill Belichick, I mean, you can always teach somebody something new that they haven't learned before if you've made it to this this realm of the profession. So, I do think he has room to grow on the field for sure, uh, but I just want to throw that in there as well. Yeah. Uh, but I, off the field, I was just agreeing. go ahead. I was just agreeing with you. I, I I didn't mean to interrupt you like that. Oh wow, you actually agree with me for once. Off the <laughs> field, uh, Clark. I mean, it's the same song and dance we go through with almost every explosive Chiefs player. It feels like, but he has domestic violence issues, and in fact, whenever the the police showed up to the incident. He told the cop that he will hit the cop like he hit his girlfriend, who he grabbed by the throat and slammed on the ground. Uh, and then a female reporter from, I believe, Bleacher Report wrote an article, you know, about this domestic violence. And he said that that stuff like that's going to get her fired. And if she does get fired, then he has a job for her to clean out his fish tanks, which is odd to say the least. And Kind of dumb because his preference of the tweet was that the journalist careers don't last that long, which isn't true. I mean, you can hang on and be a journalist for a very long time. Pretty much every journalist is old whenever they retire. But anyway, uh, and then in twenty and in uh, twenty twelve in college, he was convicted of home invasion. I say all that to say this. I mean, if you are a Chiefs fan, you've probably listened to a lot more radio shows and podcasts than just this one, so you've kind of heard everything. But the Chiefs don't care about fans, you know, and the message that they send to the fans in terms of off the field. They're not trying to be your role model. They're not trying to be your hero. They're going to try to win football games. And that's all fine and good if that's what you want to do as an organization. Because in the end, your job is to win football games. And I can't, I cannot, you know, downplay that fact. Your job isn't to create a better community, although that's always a nice plus. Your job is to win football games. My problem becomes, okay, if you're going to take that stance to where you don't care about these guys off the field and what they do, if you don't care about that, which I do care about that, but the Chiefs don't, if you don't care about that, then you have to be consistent. And this is what's wrong with the Chiefs' message. It's not the fact that they're protecting these guys and giving these guys second chances and trying to help them as they have tried to help Tyree Kill mold themselves into better men, getting them the help they need. That's all well and good. That's also trying to win football games, so that's also well and good for their business. The problem is that the way they treat these guys is totally different. If you want, if you want to do this, you have to be consistent. Do you ever notice how Tyreek Hill's on this team, even though he allegedly punched his pregnant girlfriend, got kicked out of Oklahoma State for it, you know, and beat her while she was pregnant, and now he has some child abuse things lingering, which we've which we've already talked about, and we're not going to go into until there's more information. And now this case, you've brought you've brought him in. You made a a social media post about it. That's all hyping up the move. You gave him the number fifty five. You replaced D Ford, who was by all accounts a pretty good person off the field for this guy. 
And yet, Kareem Hunt's with the Browns now, and he was kicked off the team in the middle of a playoff run uh, where he could have been the difference. Ultimately, they found a great running back, you know, a great running back position, you know, a great guy to step up and fill his role. But there's no question, no matter how well Dan played, Kareem Hunt's better than him. The only difference in these three scenarios is there's a video of one and not a video of the other two. And that's the problem with domestic violence right now is the fact that until we see it, nobody cares. Until we saw the Joe Mixon video, nobody around Norman, nobody around Oklahoma, nobody around college football cared about that, that that was lingering in his in his past as a freshman. We didn't care about that until he was leaving for the NFL and before his final bowl game, the video finally was released of him breaking a woman's jaw. Even though we knew he did that, we did not care until we saw it. That's the problem with domestic violence. So I wish the Chiefs would just be consistent and say, you know what? We don't care about our guys being your heroes, your kids' heroes. We care about winning. And no matter if there's a video or not, we're going to treat these guys the same way. Because you're setting a precedent of... We don't care about women. We don't care about domestic violence unless we can physically see it with our own eyes. And if we can't see it with our own eyes, we're not going to believe them. We're not going to take it seriously. And we're not going to take the steps necessary to correct it. Because the Chiefs knew, just like we all knew, during Super Bowl week last year that that Kareem Hunt has allegedly gotten to a domestic violence case in a hotel room in Cleveland. Everyone knew that before the video came out in December. And yet they didn't act upon it, and neither did the NFL, by the way. They didn't act upon it until the video came out. And that's my biggest issue with this entire subject. And, you know, that was a kind of long rant, but it's just frustrating to see that there's no consistency around the NFL, and specifically with the Chiefs either, that they treat these guys with such different approaches depending on what their cases are. And for Frank Clark, excuse me, for Frank Clark, he has a long rap sheet of, of, of having stuff go wrong in his criminal past. But to his credit, none of this has happened since I believe 2015. I think that the, the reporter incident happened in 2017, but I believe that the, the domestic violence case that she was, you know, writing about happened in 2015. So he has had a, a, a period of time where he's corrected his behavior, which is good for him. I'm glad he got himself straightened out. But nonetheless, it's still frustrating to see that the Chiefs continue to bring these guys in but aren't consistent with the way that they deal with them. Yeah, um, I, it, and that's and that's a that's an NFL wide problem. Um, the NFL has had a long standing history of defending these uh, actual criminals, um, and, and they care more about. And it's obvious that they care more about uh, winning than they do morality, which is the business. That's the business is winning, um, but. I, I, I think that consistency is needed. Uh, there's there's been a longstanding consistency for uh, drug use. You notice how Roger Goodell runs to the uh, runs to the to his office to su- suspend somebody that has um, smoked weed or something to that extent. Um, but um, when it comes to domestic violence, they don't really know how to handle it. And I, I'm hoping that it's going to get better. Um, but yeah, it is. It's been rough uh, for a team like Kansas City, who has long, for a long time, uh, prided itself on being a, a family team, one that um, gets high character guys. Uh, they, they, I don't want to hear that anymore. That is not. That is not true. That is simply not true to say that they they care about bringing in high character guys. They care about winning football games. Which, as a fan, great. You want to see your team win football games. That is important. But I would argue that it's more important that you don't employ criminals uh, to your team. 
Now, that's not to say that I think Frank Clark hasn't changed his ways. Maybe he has. But I think that is a large investment that you put on somebody that has a checkered past. And the Chiefs, I, that's what, part of the reason I didn't think there was a chance that they would go get Jeffrey Simmons in the draft. I, I, I kind of I questioned Frank Clark because the, I didn't think they could afford it after Kareem Hunt and after Tyreek Hill, that they could afford to bring in another player that has had this kind of past. But I was wrong. They don't care about morality. That is not what they're here for. They're here for winning games. I think that's the new culture that we have to get used to until the NFL as a whole changes. Um, And that's really all I have to say about um, Frank Clark's background. Um, But like I said, very good football player, and that's that's why he's a Kansas City Chief. Yeah, he's a, he's a very good football player. And if you remember, uh, if you go back and listen to our draft special that we did last, uh, next week, two weeks ago, uh, well, you brought up that prospect. And one of my only, con, you know, my contributions to that episode, because I don't, uh, I'm not as invested in the draft as you and Tom are, who were on that episode, was the fact that if they like that prospect, they're going to bring him in because they do not care about the off the field message. And that's true with this trade. And you could argue that they shouldn't care. They should only care about winning games, which I did at the top of my of my rant, which is true. I mean, at the end of the day, they're in the business of football, not the business of morality. Uh, but another issue I have is just the NFL as a whole. I mean, Josh Gordon is having to fight tooth and nail to be reinstated and, and to play football uh, because of his drug use, his marijuana addiction. Yet a guy who has convictedly beat a woman choked her and slammed her on the ground with his edge rusher frame is getting $105 million. That doesn't make any sense. And to go back to my point about the video, I mean, look at what happened with Ray Rice. He got two games. The video came out. His career was done. Even though we knew what he did whenever he got the two games, the lack of consistency with the Chiefs and the NFL is is extremely frustrating. But Again, I I can't blame the Chiefs for wanting to win football games. On the field, this is an amazing move. And if he does play well, which we all expect that he will, and the Chiefs do as well by giving him $105 million, we see what will happen. This is the same conversation that 6'10 had after Tyreek Hill was drafted. Oh, we're all all upset and we're going to protest the Chiefs. Nobody's going to protest the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill was drafted. Everyone was upset for training camp. We all were upset for the preseason. And then in primetime on Thursday Night Football, we were chanting his name in Arrowhead. That's how this thing works, and that's what the Chiefs are banking on. Have him play well. Fans will love him. Fans will cheer for him. We will win football games, and everything will be fine. Yeah. But I, I, I just – the, the, one more point is that that this is, this is going to – this is going to be one of Brett Veach's cornerstone moves. Either – Frank Clark is a top five talent, or it will be considered a failure. You don't invest a first and second round pick and give him Demarcus Lawrence type money for him to be a top 15 guy. He must be a top five guy. He must be that number two in the NFL kind of guy that you expect him to be, or else it'll be considered a failure. Uh, and and I, I think that the Chiefs are confident that Frank Clark can do it, he can be that 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 top line edge guy. He is very talented, um, and and so basically, what I I just want to say, like, you can get better. You, you can you can be rehabilitated from from that kind of thing, 
and 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 still be questioned about your future. Um, you don't just simply uh, get away from that from your past. You can't run from the past. Um, so I think that if if Frank Clark uh, is a a top fifteen guy and not a top five guy, that'll be a failure. If Frank Clark signs this contract and then falls back into what he was doing in his past, that will be a failure. So. Brett Veach has a lot on this move, and I don't think that's being discussed enough because he invested not only a draft, a couple draft picks, top-end draft picks, for Clark. He also is, uh, is gambling and banking on the fact that Frank Clark will not be a uh, problem off the field. And we will see in time whether we are cheering for him the same way that we cheered for Tyreek Hill and Tyreek Hill was seemingly rehabilitated. We'll see coming forward whether that has upheld. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a good comparison. It'll be a it'll be a process to see how we view Frank Clark in about five years. Yeah, and, and you know, to to have one more point on this before we shift away from it because you know, we've already gone a little bit too long on the subject. And like I said before, we started talking about it. This has been covered by many other places, but to shift over to Frank Clark's side, because I have been very one-sided on this, he has stayed out of trouble for longer than Terry Kill has. He has seemingly made a change in the media. He apologized to that woman, uh, to that reporter who he, who he berated. And, and, you know, the Chiefs have very good female reporters who do outstanding work, one being Brooke Pryor. And I hope that that he continues that trend of treating them with respect and every reporter with respect. Uh, And also this move could could get him to continue on this path of turning his life around, turning his off the field life around uh, and even improving it even more. Just knowing that someone believes in him uh, and someone believes that, that 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 he can do it and someone will take the risk and go out on this limb because it's not easy right now for Brett Veach. Uh, you know, and all he's having to deal with, with, you know, not so much me. I mean, he doesn't know who I am, but but people higher up in the media taking shots at him and, and the culture in, in Kansas City and, and what he does or doesn't allow or morally agree with. So, I mean, he's went out on a limb for multiple guys, and this might be the latest case of it working. This also might be the first case of it not working. So it's something to monitor uh, as we go along here. But I don't have any more opinions on this topic I think I've pretty well said everything and then and then some and talked in circles a little bit. So do you have anything else before we move on? No, I, I think that we've covered this uh, as far as we need to at this moment in time. Well, let's shift into something much lighter than this. Something that's a staple of podcasts and sports talk radio. Something that everyone tunes in for the second this is announced, and that is schedule talk we're gonna go through the entire chief schedule and predict the wins and losses before the nfl draft what else would you rather listen to (laughs) so here's the deal we're gonna make predictions right now before the nfl draft we're then gonna come back after the nfl draft after the rookie otas and say if anything has changed, you know, in our win-loss total and what games have changed based on what they do on, during the draft, if anything, 
to sway us. And then we're going to come back and have the official predictions right after the preseason, after we see injuries, etc., etc. And that is when you get to see our entire mindset either change or stay the same from right now to then. And then you guys get to pick the games as well. The winner will win something. I mean, it'll be something. I'm not sure what it'll be just yet because it's like April. But come September, before the first game, if you get your predictions in game by game, whoever gets the most right will win something from us at Arrowhead Attic Podcast. And it'll be something fun. It, it won't be an NFL draft hat. I can guarantee you that. It'll be something you will enjoy. But without further ado, let's start with week one. At Jacksonville, at the Jaguars, Nick Foles, Noon kickoff on CBS. Who do you got? Who do you think I got? Uh, Nick Foles. Nope. Uh, the Chiefs are oh, going to Oh, rats. Beat. You're taking Patrick Mahomes to outduel Nick Foles? <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to beat the Jaguars handily, even at Jacksonville, because uh, for one thing, I mean, I don't want to break down these games too long or else this podcast will take three hours. But for one thing that I'll just say real quick, Andy Reid always throws everybody off balance when he comes in with his new playbook for the next season. Nobody is ever <laughs> expecting it, what he's going to do. He always adds a new wrinkle that nobody knows how to defend. I fully expect that to be the trend for the first five games of the year. And it's amazing how long he's been able to do that. I mean, you would think eventually the ideas run out, but they haven't for him. Uh, obviously, I also have Jacksonville, and since you stole my my opinion on the game with that tidbit you just gave. I'll ask the question, which locker room will Jalen Ramsey be coming out of? The Chiefs or the Jaguars? He'll be coming out of the Jaguars. It seems, <laughs> it seems a little I don't know now. where that all started. Uh, it was last like, year. Like, where that all started with the Chiefs Kingdom's Twitter of, they're going to get Jalen Ramsey. I, 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 never, I never bought that notion for a second. I did. See, they there was talk last, uh, like, right after the Super Bowl, that the Jaguars might have been looking to move on from him because they weren't going to be able to afford him. But instead of trading Jalen Ramsey, they just cut half of their defense. So <laughs> that's uh, that's the way that worked. And the NFL schedule makers hate the Chiefs because after traveling to Jacksonville, which is in Florida, they've got to travel all the way to California to play the Oakland Raiders at 3.05 Central Time. Obviously, all these times are going to be Central because... That's what the majority of Chiefs fans are listening to from on the time slots. But anyway, it'll be on CBS as well at Oakland against possibly Kyler Murray against John Gruden against whoever they're going to throw out Derek Carr, maybe. Yeah. Who you got? I got the Chiefs. Um, the the yeah, Raiders. Chiefs. The Raiders are um, not going to be what they're hoping to be for the next five years. So moving on. Chiefs, but it could be an exciting game if they do get Kyler Murray because, I mean, if we both believe Kyler Murray is going to be pretty good, you get to see the glimpse of the future with Murray versus Mahomes for yeah. hopefully the next decade for Kansas City. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, and, you know, who knows what Kyler Murray is going to be. Yeah, Murray, Murray to the Raiders would be really great for the Raiders. Um, but I am not – I think even with Murray – I think that they would struggle to beat the Chiefs here in year one, so it might be a process. Now, even with Murray, they're not going to be very good this season, this upcoming season, but they'll be more exciting to watch because, I mean, I'd rather watch Kyler Murray and Mahomes go at it in week two than Carr and Mahomes, and that's part of because I, I truly believe that 
even with Murray, Mahomes would still win, the Chiefs would still win, all will be fine. It would just be more, more entertaining. But week three, the first home game, you can be rocking Arrowhead on the 22nd of September at noon against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. I'm again sticking with the Chiefs. I've had them starting 3-0, and but I, I don't believe in Lamar Jackson. Um, I mean, I, I don't believe in his throwing ability, and I think that you're going to need to be able to throw the ball to win football games in the NFL, especially against Mahomes. So that's who I have. Who are you going to pick? Yeah, I, I, I think that the Chiefs are actually designed to beat a team like the Ravens now. Uh, the, the thing with the Ravens before that the Chiefs struggled with was they couldn't stop the run. Now the Chiefs have added a whole bunch of talent on that front line of guys that are very good at stopping the run. Emmanuel Ogba is a solid run defender. Uh, Alex Okafor is a solid run defender. Frank Clark is a solid run defender. Derek Nottie was great in the middle on those kind of situations. So a team like the Ravens is going to, where their their quarterback is a glorified running back, they're not going to have the same success um, that they've they've had against the Chiefs in years past. So, yeah, I got the Chiefs winning. And then week four, now, obviously, it's silly to get upset in April on the 24th about people predicting the schedule, but I've seen more than I expected of people who aren't Lions fans and actually some Chiefs fans who have picked this game for the Lions. And this game is week four on the 29th at noon in Detroit on Fox. I don't think the Lions are good, and I, I I know it's hard to win four straight games in the NFL. I don't think that the Lions are good enough to beat the Chiefs. And I mean, it's the NFL, the ball bounces funny, anyone can win any given Sunday, that's the joy of watching football. But this team isn't good, in my opinion. The Chiefs should roll against the Lions in a controlled environment, inside, in a dome, with the speed that the Chiefs have. I mean, this is all turning up Chiefs to me. But yet I've seen a few people go Lions. Where are you going? Uh, I'm going to go with the Chiefs again. I mean, yeah, I'm a Chiefs fan, so it's hard for me to say, yeah, the Lions are going to beat the Chiefs at home, especially given (laughs) how pathetic the Lions have been. Um, But, yeah, I I, I could see it being a close game. It's on the road, but um, that would be a typical kind of Chiefs loss that you could see. But this is not typical anymore. We have Patrick Mahomes. I think they can roll the Lions. Yeah, this would be a typical loss for Alex Smith, you know, for for Chiefs history of a a loss that you look back to and say, wow, if they could have just had that win back, then they'd be, you know, whatever, you know, they'd be at a higher seed or not playing this team or not playing that team in the playoffs. Uh, But I I think that's a win. And then we get to the fun parts. The first primetime game, Sunday Night Football in Kansas City, in Arrowhead, against the Indianapolis Colts and Andrew Luck, a rematch of... Last year's postseason, this one is interesting. The Colts have made a few good moves. Chiefs still have the better quarterback, and they've made quite a few moves themselves to improve that defense. But the defense wasn't the problem because the Colts last year. I, I mean, this one's the first one that I'm thinking, okay, it could go to the Colts. I truly believe that 9 out of 10 times, the Chiefs will win weeks 1 through 4. This one, I mean, I think it's a lot more competitive than than the first four weeks. I mean, let's let's hear who you're leaning towards right now. All right. So the Chiefs are very good at home, and so I. But Patrick Mahomes has been bad in prime time, 
So this is, yeah, this is very interesting. I really don't know how to pick it. Uh, I would say if, if I could, I would say it's a push. But if I'm picking right now, I'm going to give the edge to the Colts because the Chiefs had such a hot start. And they'll start, they might start falling back down to grace. And Patrick Mahomes hasn't been great in prime time, so we'll see. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, as much as it hurts to say this, you know, I love Arrowhead. I, I don't think it has that same mystique that a lot of people do. Uh, it's still a tough place to play, but it's not impossible to play there at night. Uh, it's still a fun atmosphere. It's still a great atmosphere. The fans are still amazing. But again, it's not impossible to, to win there, especially when you have Andrew Luck on your side. It'll all be dependent on, you know, how these one-year deals that they've handed out in Indianapolis will turn out. But, I mean, after four straight wins, if we thought it was hard to win four straight against the Lions, it's incredibly hard to win your fifth straight against the Colts. And so I think they're due for a loss, and I think this is a, a, a quality team to lose to. I mean, this is not a bad loss. This is not an embarrassing loss like the Lions loss would be. This is a loss where you just tip your cap and move on to the next week, which is the Houston Texans against the Sean Watson in Kansas City. So the first time you're going to get back-to-back home games uh, in Kansas City, it'll be a noon kickoff on CBS. Well, what do you have in this one? I, I think it's Chiefs against the Texans. I really do. Uh, I, I This one, you can, you can point all the talent you want at me with the Texans and say, hey, well, we have J.J. Watt. Hey, we have DeAndre Hopkins. Hey, we have Deshaun Watson. That's fine, but you still got Bill O'Brien and we got Andy Reid. So yeah, I'm going. I'm going the. Uh, <laughs> I'm going the Chiefs because Andy Reid's just the better head coach. Here's the first short week of the year. You're going to have a short week to prepare to go to Mile High Stadium or whatever they call it now. I, I don't know what they call it now in Denver. You're going to go to Denver on a Thursday night at 7:20 on Fox and NFL Network. So does the short week, because I think we can both agree the Chiefs are more talented than the Broncos. Does the short week and traveling, so that makes it even shorter for the road team, does that affect this team going into a tough environment, both literally with, with their fans, they're pretty good fans there that have supported them, and just the, the literal atmosphere of Denver, does that affect them? Do they lose this game if they shouldn't lose just because it's a Thursday night, or are they going to pull this one out? I think they'll beat him. Uh, I I honestly, at this moment in time, we'll see what happens in the draft. But at this moment in time, I think the Broncos are actually the worst team in the in the AFC West. Um, so uh, just that on its face, I can't see the Chiefs dropping one to the Broncos if they're if they're as bad as I think they are. And the Chiefs are incredibly good in the division. You know, since Andy Reid took over, I mean, no Chiefs fan needs to be reminded of that. They know that, but. I agree. I think this game's going to be closer than it should be. I think the talent, the talent level is going to be, no matter what happens in the draft, in my opinion, is going to be heavily towards the Chiefs. But the short week, the traveling, the atmosphere in Denver, I think it's going to make it a closer game. But still, Mahomes finds a way, the left-handed pass, behind the back, throw hook shot pass, whatever he's going to do next, he's going to find a way. They're going to beat the Broncos, which is amazing now on the back end that's a, that's a, that's a Thursday night game because I'm talking really fast because I'm really excited about this. Week 8, after Thursday night football, so Andy Reid has ample amount of time to prepare. Week 8, the 27th, Sunday night football, in Arrowhead, against the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Mahomes, Rodgers, NFL 100, the 100th anniversary of the C- of the NFL, 
gets the two best quarterbacks in the NFL pitted against each other for a raucous Arrowhead environment, a, a you know a historic rivalry, all that good stuff for the two teams. But I'm so excited because it's the, the Mahomes Rogers first showdown. Yeah. Uh, what are you possibly leaning towards right now again for this game? I mean, if it was, this is one of those ones where I think it's a push. And you can say whoever's at home will win. And that's kind of what the logic is I'm going to stick to. Because I think that the, the Chiefs might be the better overall team. But I'm always, always, always nervous that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers can beat you uh, in a multitude of ways. So uh, for now, I'm picking the Chiefs. We'll see. This game is going to be decided by who has the ball last. I mean, it's that simple. Because the storyline, which you know it's going to play into effect... Whoever has the ball last, it's going to be either Mahomes having the ball last, and he has that iconic drive to rip the torch away from Aaron Rodgers, or Aaron Rodgers has the ball last, and he has that gut-wrenching, heart-twisting drive that drives the knife into the hearts of the Chiefs fans. He looks over, winks at Patrick Mahomes, and says, not yet, young fella. It's still my league. This game's going to be so fun as a football fan, as a Chiefs fan, as a Packers fan, whatever you are. If you enjoy the sport of football even a little bit, this is the game you have to watch. I don't care about the talent level on Green Bay. I don't think they're particularly that good. But with Aaron Rodgers, he can he can pull this team to a quality record, and he can pull this team into Kansas City and have a great game in a tough environment. And I mentioned the Arrowhead lore, you know, not quite being there anymore for this game it will be this is a special occasion that can only be rivaled by i think the playoffs i truly believe this matchup is going to be talked about non-stop and for good reason this is going to be so fun and i cannot wait till we're doing a podcast on tuesday before this game and i'm just so jittery i can't even speak but now they have to go play Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. So you go from an incredibly exciting game to playing Kirk Cousins. This is a win. Kirk Cousins sucks. I mean, he's awful. He, he's not even mediocre. I mean, he's a choke artist. If you even get them in a close game, he'll fold over like a lawn chair. He's bad. I don't think the Vikings are particularly that good. This is a win. You have home field. If they lose this game, that will be the most embarrassing loss on this schedule if they lose this game. I truly do not believe in Kirk Cousins whatsoever. But what do you think? Okay, so I'm not as low on them as you are because I think that Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen are both very, very good receivers. So it'll come down to if the Chiefs can actually cover and if they can get pressure on Kirk Cousins. We'll see how good the offensive line is for those for the Vikings. It's been bad for the last couple of years. Um, so we'll have to wait and see after the draft. But, yeah, I think the Chiefs can beat a team like the Vikings who have they've underperformed for the last couple of years. Kirk Cousins had two 1,000-yard receivers and was still mediocre. Uh, he has great talent levels, but, but, I mean, in Washington, he had Pierre Garçon and, and Deshaun Jackson catching 1,000 yards each. He threw for 4,000 yards, and he was terrible, uh, or mediocre at best. His teams were mediocre. He was mediocre. This offensive line isn't going to miraculously be able to handle Frank Clark, Chris Jones, and everything the Chiefs are going to throw at them, you know, on Week 9. I, I don't think so. I mean, unless the Chiefs get... Injured. I mean, then we have a different tone, obviously. I mean, we can't predict injuries and in, in, in season predictions. Both sides could have them. Neither side could have them. So right now we're just going to take it at you know face value, and I think that this is a game the Chiefs should handily win. But 
that's why they play the games. And as I said, it's football. So, I mean, the ball can bounce any sort of way. But in week 10, they go to Tennessee. They play the Titans. Who you got? Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs are – I have the Chiefs going doing so well at this point. They have to drop a game sometime. But, I mm-hmm. mean, I could always save that for the end of the season because there's quite a few games that I could see them dropping. But I'm going to go ahead and say they lose this one. Um, I, I don't think Marcus Mariota is good. Um, I just think it's one of those games that the Chiefs underperform and then everybody's scrambling to say, well, are the Chiefs going to do it? Similar to last year. Uh, there was, there was that moment in time where you, you kind of wondered um, you kind of wondered if the Chiefs were still going to go to the um, playoffs, if they were still going to win the AFC West, yada, yada, yada. I think that's where we get that that moment is against the Titans um, in, what is this, week 10? Um, yeah. And, and I, 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 I don't even think it's because the Titans are good. I think it's because the Chiefs um, just uh, crap one away. Yeah, and you know, I think you're right. I, I, I don't know who it's going to be against because the Chiefs are better than both these teams. But coming off of how well it that we both have them projected to be at the start of the year, like I said, I truly believe, I don't care about the talent level, I truly believe that Green Bay game is going to be electric, it's going to be intense, it's going to be a playoff-like game on prime time. You're due for a letdown against Minnesota or against Tennessee. The difference is Minnesota comes at home, Tennessee comes on the road. So I think that at home, in a close game against a bad team, your your energy from the crowd can carry you. On the road, you don't have that sort of boost from the crowd whatsoever. I think they're going to lose in Tennessee just like you do. But I could see them losing against Minnesota and then beating Tennessee. They're going to drop one of these two games, Week 9 or Week 10, that they should not drop at all, that they're way better than these teams that they're playing, just because it's so hard to get up for 16 straight games and play well in all of them. You're going to have a stinker eventually. You're going to have a game that's like incredibly frustrating for fans on the couch who can't do anything about it because they're watching their team just fall on their face when they shouldn't. Uh, But, you know, they're going to have themselves a cushion built up from the start of the year that we both think that they're going to have. So you go from that game week 10 to a long week in week 11. You're going to play on Monday Night Football in Los Angeles against the Chargers. No, no, no. I want to hear your opinion on this first. Mexico City, my dude. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Yep, you're right. Mexico City. So, yeah, I have the Chiefs drop in this one, too. Uh, like I said, there's, this is going to be that moment where we all go, uh-oh, is this, is this the end of this season? Are we going to lose in the first round of the playoffs despite being a, a Super Bowl favorite? Um, and I, I think this one's going to be one of those ones where you expect the Chiefs to have a tough game with the Chargers, but in the end, Phillip Rivers – pulls off some old man magic that he has uh, and wins kind of in similar fashion as last year. So that's my prediction right at the moment. Yeah, and like we said, these can change completely by the time that the season rolls around. We're just kind of doing this to to give you guys a little bit of of our thoughts right now. Um, I'm trying to look at their schedule real quick. They... They had, would not have gone to Denver by the time that they play this. They they meet Denver in Denver after this game. I mean, the altitude level in Denver can kind of get you prepared for this, but I don't think it really can all that much. Um, I, I think that you're right. I think this is the game that the Chiefs lose to the Chargers. I think the Chargers are the best, the second best team in the division. You know, the best um, competitor to the Chiefs in the division. So you're not going to sweep them. I, I, I do not think that they can sweep the Chargers. 
I think they're going to do it right this year instead of like unlike last year where they won in L.A., lost in Kansas City. This is technically your road game, even though it's in Mexico City. Uh, so they're going to lose at the Chargers, even though it's in Mexico City. They're going to have the bye week to regroup after possibly two straight losses. Get And fans are going to freak out a little bit, you know, because you have a, another week to stew on two losses. Um, you know, of course, that means the bye week's after this game. I think they're going to lose this game and win, you know, against the Chargers in the last week of the season in Kansas City. That's a little bit of foreshadowing. But week 12 bye week, pretty good, pretty good time for the bye week considering what's up next for the Chiefs once you get past the Raiders, who are week 13. This game's in Kansas City. We both agree the Raiders aren't good. We've already talked about this, this team. I think that the Chiefs handle them. I think that they actually do sweep the Raiders. It's incredibly hard to sweep an NFL team, but the Raiders just aren't good this year, and that's the matter of fact. I just gonna say yes. I agree. Oh Lord, we have to talk about this team. Surprisingly, not on traditional prime time. Although this is, in my opinion, I've always said this, which we haven't had a podcast long enough for anyone to know this. But I've always said that the three twenty five window for anyone except for California teams is an NFL primetime game because it's the game that everyone gets to watch. You see your local team at noon, and then if you're not in California, you get the biggest game left, which is going to be New England Patriots against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be in Foxborough, which of course it is. Uh, It'll be at 325 uh, Central Time, Week 14 in Massachusetts against the Patriots. This is another push game, I think. And on push games, I agree with you. You take the home team, the Patriots do it again. I mean, they beat the Chiefs again. I am going to disagree with you. Uh, I've been, I'm going to be one of those guys that says, this is the end of the Patriots. And then they they win the Super Bowl (laughs) the next year. But um, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say the Patriots are not going to be the team that they've been. Tom Brady's like 80 years old. Like, I just, I don't know how long you can continue to do it. Um, and still be effective. We we saw that they had to adjust their offensive game um, to Tom Brady's limitations last year. Um, so I can't imagine that it's going to stay the same because once you hit a certain age, you kind of start taking steps backwards. So, yeah, I'm going to say the Chiefs uh, beat the Patriots, and um, the Patriots um, at this point are struggling to um, compete for um, – their division, because I actually, I actually think that they're going to take that big of a step back. The division, yeah, yeah, I, I really do. I, I don't think the Jets are good. I don't think the Bills are good. I think it's going to be one of those those uh, divisions that you go, man, they're all bad. And so, um, yeah, I'm just going to be whoa, one of those whoa, people. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Time out, time out. I didn't want to take a lot of time on this. You have the Patriots falling from Super Bowl champions. To fighting with the Brian Fitzpatrick-led Dolphins, the Josh Johnson or Josh Allen-led Bills, and the Sam Darnold-led Jets. Yeah, I, uh, I I know it's crazy, but at this moment in time, the hey, Patriots- old takes exposed. Mark this, please. Mark this, please. <laughs> what? Okay, no. I okay, you cannot say anything about my DeAndre Baker take after what you just said. Hey, they're going to be competing with the Dolphins. That was that was Thomas Thomas. Uh, poo-pooed your DeAndre Baker thing. I am just going to join the pundits uh, of saying, yo, the Patriots are going to suck this year because they're always good. I know I'm probably wrong, but it's got to end sometime. And normally when things end, it comes down in a crashing fashion. So I'm just projecting 
the Patriots are doing that this year. They don't have Gronk. Gronk is gone. He's their guy that they relied on heavily in the offense. They're going to shift more to a run game, which is not going to fly in the NFL because that's not how you win football games. I just don't see a way that the Patriots continue their success at the same level that they have. Now, people have said that for years. I understand that. But eventually it has to end. Just to reset for the audience, that was Grant Tuttle who said all of that about the Patriots. You can find him on Twitter at GrantTMNTuttle. Uh, yeah. Which, you stole my question, by the way. Week 14, is Gronk back with the Patriots or is he still retired? No, he's not coming back. He's too busy on his yacht or whatever. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I hope that you're right. I don't like the Patriots. I have very much disdain for them and their fan base. But... I just see it being a push. I mean, the, the, the Patriots are not more talented than the Chiefs, but they're also have rarely been the most talented team, yet they always win. So I, I just think being at home sways me to say it's going to be a loss. If this game was in Arrowhead, I might think the other way, but crazy things happen in Foxborough. And until we see Tom Brady collapse, I'm not going to predict it because I've done it too many times. I've said it. I said it even last year. I was wrong. So, week 15, I mean, unless you think that this game should be a win, unless you think that the Broncos are going to also compete for our division. But week 15, the Chiefs host the Broncos at noon in Arrowhead, division rival. I think they get back on track with a win here after dropping one to to New England. Yep. uh, And kind of right the ship a little bit. I said ship, by the way. But you agree? Uh, Yeah, the, the Chiefs are beating the Broncos. They're sweeping them. Uh, Andy Reid's success against the AFC West is unparalleled pretty much. So, yeah, the only team that has any chance of beating them, and I've already projected in the AFC West, is the Chargers at Mexico City. So I'm going to go with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that really, I mean, we get off on tangent so much, but at this point we've already gone over what we wanted to. Chiefs fans really need to appreciate how good Andy Reid has been against this division. It's... It's the most impressive thing this side of Bill Belichick. I I mean, how does he continue to beat these teams consistently year in and year out, season in, season out, and they have no answer, and and they see him the most of any team. They see him twice a year each. They have no answer for him. That is amazing and something we will not see again, I don't think, with with any coach that happens after Andy Reid. But moving on. Week 16, they travel to the Windy City in, I think, the last very good game left of the year. This is going to be fun. I mean, you've got Nags against Reed, primetime Sunday night football against the Bears. I'm going to go towards Kansas City because I don't believe in Mitch Trubisky. I think that defense of Chicago is going to be good again. Very good, actually. I think Mahomes is just that good. He can he can outduel. Trubisky, he can carve up the, the Bears defense, you know, as much as needed to win this game. And they're going to have a very fun game. This is going to be one of the last very good games in the NFL season because it's week 16 and week 17. Usually teams are resting and not many good matchups besides like the lower teams who are trying to win and get in the wild card. But this game's going to be very fun. I have the Chiefs. Who do you have? Yeah, I got the Chiefs beating the Bears. I just don't think the Bears match up uh, player for player this with the Chiefs, um, Mitch Trubisky will have to take a massive step forward before I, I, I believe he can go toe-to-toe with a player like Patrick Mahomes. 
And then week 17 is always incredibly hard to predict, no matter what you're predicting, who you're predicting. You know, you, you never know who's going to be resting. You never know who's going to be playing. But since the Chiefs lost to the Chargers earlier in the year, we both have it, and we both think the Chargers are going to be pretty good. I would say that this game still has meaningful impact on the division race and possibly, in that case, playoff standing. So I don't expect there to be too much resting. And the Chiefs are at home, so I'm going with the Chiefs. I Again, I said it during the first game. I don't think that the, that the Chargers are going to be able to sweep the Chiefs. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to sweep the Chargers. They're going to split, and the Chiefs do their job at home. Yep, I agree with that. That's all I got to say. All right, there's the whole schedule for you. If you could keep track with everything we ranted about and talked about. I had the Chiefs winning the division, obviously. I think you do as well. Yep. And we'll see how that changes after the draft and uh, after training camp and yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah, so just get, get at us on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And Grant Tuttle at Grant T-M-N Tuttle. And the show Twitter at Attic underscore Podcast. And so let's finish this show with the Big, big topic of the week. It's draft week. The Chiefs don't have a first-round pick right now. But I asked you, Grant, who's been plugged in on the draft stuff, the draft scene since the season ended, and a little bit before that even, can the Chiefs still trade into the first round? And should they still trade into the first round? It depends on who's there. Um, I, I have a hard time believing that if there's somebody there that Brett Veach loves... If there's some cornerback there that let's say that for some reason Greedy Williams or Byron Murphy, one of those top two guys, is is sitting there at 25, I can't imagine a scenario in which uh, Brett Beach doesn't just say, "Yeah, take next year's first round pick and one of our second round picks this year and a late round pick, and we'll just move on up uh, in this year's draft." I I I think it's a possibility. It just depends on how the board falls. at this moment in time, I don't think it'll happen. But again, if if for some reason Byron Murphy or Greedy Williams is sitting there at twenty five, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked at all if uh, Brett Veach was that aggressive because it's obvious that they want to win now. And knowing what you know about the draft, I mean, I'm not kidding. I mean, if you look, if you read our site arrowheadact.com, if you read our site, you know Grant has been pumping out draft content forever. And not just the the top tier guys like Kyler Murray or whoever the big names are, but he's been getting deep in the weeds of this thing. So I ask you, with the picks the Chiefs have left after after these trades, is there still value in those picks? What positions are still of value later in the draft? And can the Chiefs still make a move that can perform on the field this year? Or is this a draft that you're going to take this year to develop? They're not going to have that much of an impact. Hopefully in a couple years, though, there are going to be guys that we're going to know and, and love in Kansas City. Yeah, uh, I, I think that in that second round, um, there's actually quite a few uh, players that um, are, are of value to the Chiefs. Um, in that second round, uh, there's been a lot of talk that DeAndre Baker, your guy that you were talking about, uh, could <laughs> fall to that to that round. Uh, Justin Lane is a guy. I would love it. Yeah, well, you know, it could happen. Uh, Michigan State, Justin Lane, uh, former receiver, very raw player, but enormous upside. Um, that's a possibility. Uh, there's there's a lot of uh, – there's actually a, a, a nice pouch of uh, cornerbacks at that spot in the, in the second round. So I wouldn't be at all surprised to see the Chiefs go, you know, get Justin Lane – 
and um, like Rock Yasin if he's available, um, and back to back picks even in and uh, double up there. They could. I think another thing that is interesting is that we've seen Chauncey Gardner Johnson, uh, his draft stock kind of fall off the face of the earth. Um, if there's a really good safety there. I wouldn't at all be surprised if the Chiefs went out of their way to get him because they could use another starter next to Teron Matthew. Um, so I think what we're going to see with in the second round, especially if they stay put, is that they're going to go cornerback, uh, cornerback, or cornerback safety, or safety cornerback. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, and with that third round pick, I think that they can they have that versatility after those those picks that they could do whatever they wanted. Uh, if there's a guy that's that they really like uh, as, as a tight end or something um, that is still there uh, in the third round, like say Jay Sternberger falls into the third round, yeah, I, th- I think the Chiefs are, are drafting him. If it, if there's an offensive lineman that for some reason falls that was really high on the board, they're taking him. Uh, I, I think that that's kind of the beauty of the uh, Frank Clark trade is that it gives versatility in the middle and late parts of the draft. And you mentioned safety, so I want to ask you this real quick. Am I just a Chiefs fan and a Chiefs nut? Because we mentioned on our very first episode, you and I both love the Chiefs. We both watch preseason from snap one to the end of the game, or at least I do. All four weeks, I will watch the Chiefs preseason games. All four weeks from the start to finish, I will watch every regular season game start to finish. You mentioned safety, and I really like Armani Watts. Yeah. Is that wrong to, to like him? Uh, is there? I should say, is there more valuable safeties in this draft than what you would get from playing a Marnie Watts? Yeah, there there is. Uh, I think that maybe in the top that that top tier of safeties, which who knows when the run on safety goes, but Nasir Adderley I think is a better a better safety. I think that um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson is a better safety, uh, especially as that free safety uh, because I think that they're more versatile. Something that Spagnola likes, they're better tacklers. Uh, Armani Watts was a downright bad tackler in, in college, but he's a playmaker, mm-hmm. so he could make up for it somewhat. Um, but, yeah, Armani Watts is, is a guy to keep an eye on, especially if they if they don't draft a safety in those first three picks. I think he's in the running. Him and Jordan Lucas will be uh, duking it out for that starting spot. And and also don't discount the Chiefs signing another safety. Uh, they, if you look at the, the contract number that they, they got for um, Frank Clark, they have plenty of, of room to, to sign more guys if they really feel like it. And I think that there are still some safeties out there that are decent players. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they waited till after the draft to just uh, go ahead and sign another safety if, if he's not there in the second and third round. And then I wanted to ask you this before we shift over to the big picture draft and then get out of here. You've been on the draft scene, like, like we've said, this, this entire time. Someone who's listening to this podcast on Wednesday night or Thursday morning or afternoon before the draft, what should they look for? What should they get excited for if they haven't paid attention to the draft coverage at all, but they want to get back into it? They want to see what the Chiefs do. What are positions to look at? What are prospects to look at? What are, I mean, who's on the block? I mean, what is there to look for during the NFL draft? Well, now I think that, that you're hoping that there's a, a big run on those pass rushers. Uh, you're hoping that a lot of edge guys go because that's what the Chiefs. We initially thought, oh well, they might move up for like a Montez Sweat, or they might move up for a guy um, like Cleveland Farrell. Um, 
Pharrell. I don't actually know how to pronounce his name. I don't think anybody really does, <laughs> except for him and his mom, probably. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I think that was originally the thought. But now that Frank Clark is in the fold and you've got a nice rotation of uh, Emmanuel Ogba and uh, Alex Okafor on the other side, I think that you kind of are hoping hoping that there's a big run on edges and maybe that some of those edge guys go in the first round that you're not expecting because the more edge players that go and the more quarterbacks that go, the better the talent the Chiefs can get at other positions because pretty much those are the two positions that they have now. They have edge, they have quarterback. They could use talent at every other position. So you're hoping to see a lot of edge and quarterbacks go off the board because that would push those talented corners and safeties and linebackers and defensive tackles and offensive linemen. Yeah, like I said, anything that anything that you want to see um would all that talent would be pushed down with picks like that and then you and i are both going to be paying attention to the draft very closely i mean we're going to be watching literally from day one to day three are the chiefs going to make a move whether it be a draft pick whether it be a trade more likely a trade because you know they don't have a first round pick right now are they going to make a move to where one of us is going to just have to hop on and make an emergency podcast and just go crazy, good or bad? Or is it going to be a kind of mellow draft where you just see what they do and say, hey, you know, good job, we'll talk about it Tuesday? I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a Brett Veach kind of trade. It, uh, most of Brett Veach's trades aren't blockbusters, although there was that, that moment where people were saying, well, is he going to trade for Demarcus Lawrence? And there was an actual question of whether the Chiefs mm-hmm. were going to do that. Um, and I think Frank Clark is in the same caliber, if not better, if we're being completely honest with talent wise. So I think that was actually a very good trade by the chiefs. Um, but as far as the draft goes, I think that he'll trade up. I think Brett Veach doesn't, I think he gets bored. (laughs) Uh, and I think that he'll move up. Um, but I don't think it's going to be so big, um, that we're going to have to, freak out about it unless they move up into the first round like similar to the what the saints did um last year where they traded to the packers their next year's for their mm-hmm. uh their their next year's um first round pick uh and and we could see something like that but it, it all depends on how the board falls because for some reason if if like if i, I know this would never happen but if for some reason ed oliver is there at 25 I I can't imagine Brett Veach just not picking up the phone and offering the whole the whole draft class to uh, <laughs> whoever would take that trade. So, yeah. That. All right, and then I wanted, if we have time here, to get to a little bit of a big picture draft thing. Uh, just two questions, really. One, where do you think Kyler Murray is going to fall? Because I'm very much invested in Kyler Murray. You know, now it, it looked like Cardinals for a long time. Now it's... I've kind of bought the smokescreen of they're not decided yet. Where do you think he falls? Is it still the Cardinals? Is it still number one, but not the Cardinals? Is it lower than that? Where do you think he goes? I would not be surprised if the Cardinals were like, hey, Oakland, guys, <laughs> we'll give you the first overall pick for your fourth and your 27th pick and just and maybe a late-round pick because the Cardinals have a lot of holes, and they're going to want to fill yeah. them. And Josh Rosen isn't a bad quarterback. He's not great. He's okay. I don't know how well he fits. But um, I think that I I honestly believe that there's a chance 
that he goes to the Raiders, and I wouldn't be shocked by that at all, even with the reports that the Raiders aren't interested in a quarterback. I call BS um, because mm-hmm. the Raiders the Raiders are the Raiders, and they need to compete with Patrick Mahomes, and uh, Derek Carr's just not doing it. So I wouldn't at all be surprised to see the Cardinals move from that number one spot or um, if they can't trade back and get the offers that they want, take Quinn and Williams and shock everybody. Um, so we'll have to wait and see, but I think Kyler Murray is either a Cardinal or a Raider. And I think that the edge is to the Raiders at this point. And that leads into my last question. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're a Chiefs fan. So the most important thing outside the Chiefs draft picks are the Raiders. I mean, they can make the biggest moves of the division and of the NFL that directly impact the Kansas City Chiefs. So my prediction is that they're going to get Kyler Murray, whether it be pick number one, whatever. They're, they're going to get Kyler Murray. I think John Gruden loves this kid too much. I think it's all a smokescreen saying that they don't want him or they don't want quarterbacks. I think they're going to get Kyler Murray. I think that you know you, you don't go visit him and, and have him autograph your Oakland A's hat and all this nonsense if you don't love this kid. I mean, John Gruden, if, if, you, if you read about it earlier, he seems to really, really like this guy. I think they're going to get him. I think it's going to set up an exciting, 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 exciting matchup for decades to come uh, if Kyler Murray pans out and we know what Mahomes is now. Uh, but, I mean, we talked about it two weeks ago. That if they don't do that, they might be even in an, in an even better position because they have so much capital to fill the holes that they have. So what's your final prediction on the Raiders? Oh, man. Well, the Raiders are, are a team that is on the uptick. I think that eventually they might have talent. I am not sold as on John Gruden as an, uh, a modern NFL coach. Um, but I think eventually they might be a talented football team. Uh, and this year, if they can, I, I think it would be smarter for them, honestly, to live with Derek Carr for another year and um, just use all three of their picks without moving anywhere and just taking the best player available because they have so many holes. The only place that's not terrible is wide receiver. Uh, and so, and I mean, their offensive line isn't horrible. Um, they signed uh, what's-his-face from the Patriots for way too much money, Trent Brown. So, uh, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. I, if, I was, if I was making the decisions, I'd stay put and select the best player available over and over again. But obviously, I'm not the Raiders. Uh, well, I, I really can't make a projection on what they're going to do. Um, but Kyler Murray is, would be great for them for the long run. But... Um, for the immediate impact, it would be better to keep the three picks. So they're going to get better unless they completely botch this draft, which is possible. <laughs> it's possible. Um, but I, I think that the Raiders, the Raiders are going to finish third in this division unless they um, trade all those first round picks for um, top tier players, developed players, but I don't see that happening. So that's really all I got. And then, legitimately, lastly, because at this point we're we'll not having one more question, the Redskins are looking to jump into the top five to get Dwayne Haskins. Now, the Redskins have gone from Alex Smith to Case Keenum to Mark Sanchez, Josh Johnson, blah, 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 blah. They've had terrible luck at quarterback. I don't think that this is the right move. I think this is a Daniel Snyder move to trade up, you know, trade whatever it takes to get to the top five 
and then draft Dwayne Haskins. I, I think Dwayne Haskins is going to be a solid quarterback, but ultimately going to be mediocre at best. I think mediocre is his ceiling, and it's hard to reach your ceiling in the NFL. What do you think about Dwayne Haskins? Am I totally off base? You know, do you disagree or do you agree, or is it something in the middle of that? I I don't hate Dwayne Haskins. I think he's a he's a guy that that in the future could be a very solid quarterback in the NFL. Um, where I do have an issue is there's so many times that we see these teams in between rebuild and reload, and the Broncos have been that way for the last like five years. Uh, the Redskins are kind of like that. It, it's just a <sighs> When you're stuck in that place, it's the worst as a fan because you don't know what to be excited for. Uh, and, and if I was if I was the if I was Washington and I was trying to decide on how to approach this draft, that would be a mistake in my opinion. I think you wait at 15, you mm-hmm. take the best available player, you go into next season with Case Keenum, you expect to win six games, and then you pick again at the top of the draft. And if you're closer, if you're at, if you know you're like at six or seven in the draft. Then you trade up for that quarterback, not at 15. You have to give up so much for a guy that's not even the top quarterback in the class. No way. I, mm-hmm. I would not do that um, because I don't believe Haskins is, is a, has the same upside as a Patrick Mahomes, which um, the Chiefs obviously moved up for, like way, way up mm-hmm. for. Um, so I either – if you're if you're Washington, you either stay there, you stay put, and you take the best quarterback available. If you think that Drew Locke is worth it, he might be there. If you think Daniel Jones is worth it, he might be there. But I definitely would not trade up. So that would be a mistake, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that'd be just the epitome of Daniel Snyder. I think that'd be one of the biggest mistakes that they've made as a franchise, which is saying a lot, because if they've They've done the Archie 3 trade. They've done the Albert Hainsworth thing. They've, I mean, they've done a lot. We could be here for another hour talking about all the stuff that the Redskins have botched over their franchise history. But it's going to be fun. I mean, I was kind of lukewarm on this, on this year's draft for a long while. But this week, I mean, reading your stuff, reading other people's stuff, I'm in. I'm in on the draft. I'm ready for tomorrow. I'm ready to recap it all Tuesday or maybe even sooner if there's an emergency. Uh, but... I'm ready for it. I know you are. I know you've been waiting for this. Oh, yeah. Uh, so thank you all for sticking out this episode, which, to be transparent, Grant and I thought it would go about half an hour shorter than this. But thank you all for sticking around and listening to it. Uh, Grant, as I ask you every episode, any final words? Yeah, just uh, same as always. Go check out Arrowhead Addict. We got a lot of great writers. Everybody knows what they're talking about there. Um, uh, I, I think that, honestly... It is one of the best Chiefs insider sites that you can find, um, and everybody's talented. So check out that stuff. If you haven't checked it out and this is your first time listening to the podcast, give us a um, rating and review on iTunes. Uh, that would be great. Uh, we love feedback from you guys. You can um, tweet at us and all that good stuff. So that's my final word. Yeah, and like like you said, subscribe, leave a review, tell us what you like and what you don't like about the show. Be constructive, though. You know, obviously, if you don't agree with us, just call us idiots. But say, hey, you know, I would rather you guys do this or do that. Anyway, read AirheadAddict.com. I mean, I cannot stress enough what Grant just did. I mean, these guys and girls on this website are nonstop chiefs. From the time they wake up to the time they go to sleep, they're checking you know, they're checking websites, they're checking news, you know, breaking news. 
They're checking stats, contracts, blah, 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 blah. They're, they're doing it all to try to get you guys the best content as soon as possible, the most informed content as soon as possible. And without having a lot of team access, that's impressive. I mean, it's it's truly impressive what this team has done at OrHeadAct.com without being able to have you know a ton of media access in the traditional sense, just how hard that they work to get this information and put it out there for you guys. So just read their stuff. It's been extremely fun for now nine episodes of the Arrowhead Act podcast. I cannot wait for the draft. I cannot wait for the season to start and everything that goes into that. So we thank you all for listening yet again to the Arrowhead Act podcast, a part of the fan-sided podcasting network. For Grant Tuttle on Twitter at GrantTMNTuttle, for Rylan Styles at Rylan underscore Styles, this has been the Arrowhead Podcast. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you guys next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.